I appreciate the Lord's goodness. We'll bring the message this morning, Isaiah 58. We'll go back to Isaiah in chapter number 58 and just um, continue where we started um, the other day looking at um, Isaiah 58 and something that God has stirred my heart about in these times. Um, You know, I want to be... I don't know about you, but I, I want to be used. I want to be useful um, in my day. Uh, as you know, those that have gone on, they lived in different times and different days. And, um, you know, me and you are going to have to be prepared and ready our hearts to be used in our day. Uh, our, uh, the basics of the problem in the world are the same, but sometimes they manifest themselves differently, and we are in a different time um, where people um, uh, are, as in the uh, Bible says, that in the days of Noah, uh, as in those days, uh, so shall uh, the end shall be like that. People will be eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. There's uh, all kinds of other things that we'll ask. People will be running to and fro. Um, they're uh, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's a bounding in that. There's a denial of the power of God. There's uh, a form of godliness, though, to a degree. Uh, and so there's all kinds of things that are coming in the last days. And certainly, uh, you and I are living in the last days of the last days. And so we need to have our hearts prepared and ready uh, for how the Lord would like to use us. And Isaiah 58 is just how God spoke to me. And I understand here and I understand where things are. Uh, But like I said, it does reveal something uh, about the character of God and about who God is. Uh, And I don't think it's changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. God's expectations are uh, in the sense of uh, how he wants us to approach him. Uh, It's one thing, uh, if we just kind of refresh your memory a little bit, in verse number one, uh, he tells the man of God to cry loud and spare not, to lift up his voice like a trumpet and to show uh, not the world but his people uh, their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sin. And yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice and they take delight in approaching to God. And so here's uh, what God reveals about the people this time uh, is that there are people that are seeking him every day. Uh, They delight to know his ways um, and uh, they even take delight in approaching to God. There's no, uh, uh, it's, it's amazing to me that God still has somewhat against them. Um, but anyhow, he said they delight in approaching to God. There's no, uh, them going and praying to God with the, they take delight in it. They delight in approaching to God. And, uh, but there's some understanding they didn't have some self-reflection that they didn't have about themselves. Um, you know, there's, uh, uh, basically what God's saying here to them is going to end up saying, uh, is that I do, uh, no way is God saying that it's not right to seek him every day or to delight to know his ways. That's not the rebuke that he's wanting to uh, 
tell the man of God to reveal to his people. The, uh, the transgression and the sin he's wanting to show them uh, is everything they're leaving off. It's not what they're doing, it's what they're not doing. And uh, so basically God's looking to them and saying, you know, uh, it's wonderful. You delight to know my ways. You delight in approaching. And it's wonderful that you're doing those things. But uh, you can't do that and leave all these other things off and expect to uh, obtain my favor. And uh, so that's what he is going to go on and tell them. Now, uh, and so here's, he says they're doing this. They're uh, seeking me. Uh, they're delighting to know my ways. And they're going through all of these things as a people uh, that were doing right. And they're not doing right. Uh, they had forsaken the ordinances that God had given. Uh, they, had, uh, they were not doing righteousness. Um, uh, so you have to, we, ha- we all have to understand that we can have all the ABCs of religion down, uh, but we can't live in an unholy manner and expect God to uh, show us any favor. God, you can uh, continue to pray, but as long as you're going to live in sin, uh, God basically is telling them, you fix what I've told you to fix, and I'll come through and do what I said I would do. Uh, and so don't come to me seeking uh, for my answers, for my help, uh, asking for ordinances of justice and, and all of those things, and then let the world burn down around you uh, because I'm not listening. Basically is what he's saying is I'm not going to respond and I'm not going to listen until you do some things that I want you to do. And so uh, there's uh, this has spoke to me in my life. I don't know about you, but uh, I have been taught all the ways of the uh, independent fundamental Baptist uh, ways. I know how to uh, operate in most independent churches. And most of you at least shake your head at me. You understand what I'm talking about. We know when to interject the proper amens and we know how to act when we come in here. We know how to make our children behave like we've got them under control. And uh, we know how to uh, operate and make it look like that we've got everything together. And uh, so uh, they did too. They uh, knew how to operate uh, in the realms of the Jewish religion, uh, but God didn't really have their heart. And at times it was manifested when trouble came. And uh, so when trouble has come to us, now that we have experienced some of this, let me ask you, uh, did you get uh, uh, further away from God because uh, this thing came into our lives and took us from out of the church building? Did we continue to pray and read our Bibles and uh, pass out tracts and witness to other people? Or did uh, this thing just come in and uh, somehow just uh, come in between us and God and uh, we see that maybe there was more to our devotion to God that was tied into the forms of religion and not the reality of religion, which is God in the heart. And, uh, and so I don't want that. It can happen to the best of people. Uh, I know I've heard Vance Havner and uh, many others that have um, talked about this in days gone by. And it can happen to me and you if we're not careful. We get in a rut. We get into where we're just going through the one, two, threes and uh, we show up at church and we smile and we shake hands. And, uh, but really then when tragedy comes or problems come, it really reveals where we really are. Uh, and so I think that's maybe what has happened here. Uh, God's trying to wake them up and get them to see that there are some problems. And so uh, if you and I will take heed and be careful uh, is also in chapter number 58 to follow what God has instructed them, uh, God will help us in our day. I believe it's just as uh, uh, in revealing the character, not in the sense of taking Isaiah 58 and applying it to myself, but in showing that God 
God will, if you do what he's instructed you to do, he will do what he promised he would do. And so it does reveal that about God. Well, God, what do you want for me to do? Do you want me to? I've gotten so desperate before just trying to uh, get a hold of God. I've done some fairly drastic things to um, try and uh, especially things you read missionary books. And I don't know if any of other preachers, you've probably done the same thing. And you try to, I, I remember one particular thing I did. It was pretty drastic and uh, kind of thing. I just wanted to get a hold of God. And uh, I got out there, and, and three or four days, God never spoke to me one time. And, and, I, and, and I think sometimes we think God wants this drastic uh, move from us. No, I think what he wants us to do is just follow the things every day that he's asked for us to do. Uh, uh, and so anyway, I want to go through that. That uh, I think what God wants from us, look at uh, verse number three. Here's what their claim is or their charge. Uh, God has them indicted, and here's what they're basically saying. Look, uh, and they had a hard time seeing this all throughout uh, the scriptures. They're always asking. God, well, wherefore have we uh, done this? Or where have we uh, done that? And God has to show them. But anyhow, verse number three, he said, where, uh, they say, wherefore have we fasted? Uh, and thou seest not. Uh, you, we've afflicted our soul and you take no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and you exact all of your labors. And so this, he begins to reveal to them their problem is self. And then in verse number four, behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Uh, ye shall not fast as ye do this day uh, to make your voice to be heard on high. Uh, verse number five, is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head uh, as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? And verse number six, is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness and to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. And so he begins to show them something and I understand dealing with fasting, but uh, just try to look at this uh, practically with me. In verse number six, he said, uh, this is the fast that I have chosen. Here's what you have done, but here is what I I'm wanting to see. It's not this the fast that I have chosen. I want you to loose the bands of wickedness and I want you to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. And so he begins to show them basically a pattern of what their problem is. He's going to say they're doing things like this, Brother Nathan. They're going to God and they're beseeching God saying, God, we want you to forgive us. But yet they're not going to forgive their neighbor. Uh, they're, they're going to God and saying, God, I want you to uh, do certain things for me. But then they're doing the exact opposite to their brother. And basically God's saying, you've got this thing all backwards. And he's going to uh, reveal to them how to move forward uh, in the dark days when they live. But number one, he says to them uh, that they had, first of all, they needed to loose the bands of wickedness. And uh, if you and I are going to be fruitful in our day, if we're going to see revival, if we're going to be fruitful, 
sinful as a church, we're going to have to do that and cut ourselves clean loose from the wickedness that we've been involved in. Uh, there's no way that we can move forward without holiness. No man shall see the Lord. And without holiness and righteous living, uh, God is not going to reward people for uh, that are living in sin and, and, and living in rebellion to God, uh, whether they pray or whether they don't pray. You're going to have to clean your act up. Uh, if you want to hear from God, if I want to hear from God, if I want God to move in revival, if I want him to change Harriman, if I want God to use me as a Christian in my church or uh, as a preacher in my situation, then I'm going to have to live right. I'm going to have to live holy. Uh, we're going to have to cut ourselves loose. Uh, some of us have watched TV shows we never would have watched. Uh, we've listened to jokes we never would have listened to years ago. We've listened to music we never would have listened to 20 years ago. Uh, and we're involved with things now. We're as loose living now in 2020 uh, than we ever have. I, I hope you didn't come to get a pat on the back uh, message uh, this morning because I don't have one. Uh, but I, what I do have is some exhortation for you and me. If we're going to go on with God, we're going to have to go on and live right and be holy and we're going to have to treat people right. We're going to have to care for one another. We're going to have to get our eyes off ourselves. But step number one is we're going to have to live right. We're going to have to repent of the sins. We Some of us spend more time uh, uh, clicking a, a remote than we do in the turning the pages of a Bible. Uh, we're going to have to get back to the place where Christians are living holy. <laughs> Used to holy living, uh, sanctification, consecration. These were things that were preached and embraced by the Christian church, uh, by even some churches we disagree with as far as denomination. They embraced holy, righteous living uh, for you and me. You and me have got to live right. We have got to cut ourselves loose from the wickedness that we've been involved in. And there are people going to our churches that has claimed to be saved that are involved in some of the most ungodly and you wonder why life's going the way that it's going for you. It's going that way because you won't live right. <laughs> the sin with sin comes along problems. Uh, transgression brings a hardship to your life and you're certainly not going to hear from heaven when you've got those things in your life. We are going to have to clean our lives up. <laughs> I know that doesn't uh, um, uh, it's not popular preaching but if you're honest this morning and you're saved by the grace of God you will have to say amen or oh me that we are living just about in times when Christians are doing things they would have not been allowed to be a member of a church uh, 20 years ago for what they're doing now. <laughs> We're going to have to get, we're going to have to live right. And you try to preach like that now and people go off and cry and go find them a place where somebody can pat them on the back. And there's places you can go find that if you want to. Uh, but we need to be challenged to live holy. We need to be challenged to live righteously and godly in this present world. The grace of God has appeared unto all men. And if it's appeared to you, there is one thing without a doubt it's teaching you. It is teaching you to deny ungodliness through worldly love and to live soberly and righteously and godly, not when you get to heaven, but right now in this present world. 
And we need, if we ever had a hope for revival, it's going to have to start with some preaching against sin. We're going to have to preach on people dressing right, living right, talking right. We're going to have to get back to preaching some against sin and preaching holiness and righteousness. You young people, the only hope you've got to have a peaceful, joyful life is to continue to live right and live holy and live righteously and godly in this world. And uh, I tell you, I, I, I want God to help us, but if we continue uh, to just be involved with the, uh, uh, um, uh, people, we've got uh, p- uh, people involved in pornography, uh, we've got people involved with things you never would have dreamed of that didn't even exist back in your day to a large degree, brother. Uh, uh, many of you didn't have to deal with a lot of things like that, but it's at the fingertips of our young people, and they're unclean because they've set their eyes on things that are ungodly, and it's it's drawing them in, it's pulling them in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm telling you, we have got to get back to the place that we have get. We are back to living holy and living godly and living righteously. Uh, we we are on cruise control. Many of us in our Christian life, we are living on what we used to be. We are barely surviving on what we were when we got saved ten years ago. And we're we're coasting in on fumes. We need a fresh, it's like Brother Brother Reed said, we need a fresh reviving of God deep down in our hearts. And we will not have it if we're not willing to turn loose of the sins that separated between us and our God. If we're not willing to turn that loose, you can kiss revival goodbye. You're not going to have revival until you cut loose the bands of wickedness that have you bound. You've got to be willing to cut yourself loose from those things. <laughs> I want God to revive us and the only hope we got to be revived is that we cut clean loose from the world. We have got to come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord. We've got to go back to not touching the unclean thing. We've got to go back to singing ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and we have got to get back and say, well preacher yeah, that's upsetting to me. I don't like you attacking me. Look, you are free to do anything you want to do and if you want to keep on going the direction you're going, Help yourself. (laughs) But I know for me personally, (laughs) I don't want to go down those roads. (laughs) I want God to use me. The thing's winding up, people. Jesus is coming. (laughs) Our families and members that are lost (laughs) may may remain lost forever if something don't change. (laughs) And we've lost a lot of what was gained in years gone by. And I think it's our, up to our generation to change and make a difference. They say, well, do you believe nationally that uh, America, I don't know what I believe, to be honest with you. I don't know. God, God certainly can. In the next chapter, you know what he's going to encourage them to say? His arm's not short that it cannot save. <laughs> God can do whatever he wants to. He could send revival back through America and turn this nation back around. I don't know. It's up to God. He can turn our churches back around. But this much I do know. I don't care what dispensation we're living in or how close to the end we are. You and I can have revival in our hearts. (laughs) And nobody else might follow. But you and I can be something for God. We can make a difference. We can have the peace of knowing we're doing what. I don't know what you're doing. But I'm doing my part. There's some peace to be had with that. It's it's peaceful to lay down at night and go, well, you know, I did what I could today for God. Now, 
I don't know if I've ever had many thoughts like that because at the end of the day, I always feel like a failure. Uh, but there's times I feel worse than I do. You go out and witness and do things for God, you certainly feel a lot better than if you sat around and watched TV all day. It's amazing that we're shocked that God's, uh, uh, that our churches are emptying out and falling apart. It's, 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 it shows how bad off we are that we're surprised somehow that uh, our churches are not growing and people aren't getting saved. We shouldn't be shocked by it to a degree, right? Uh, we just uh, take a look at our own lives and how we live. We're cold and indifferent to sinners. We're cold and indifferent to, to most people. We're pretty indifferent to uh, spiritual things. We can go through services and the Holy Ghost not show up, and most of us go on and eat and not even worry about it. Amen. We've gotten pretty cold, haven't we? Hey, man, we need some warmed up by the fire of God, don't we? We need some revival. And the first thing he says, look, I appreciate fasting and not eating. I think it's wonderful. It'd do me some good, do some more of it. But uh, what he's saying here is, it's one thing to just deprive yourself of some goods and afflict your soul, and that's good. But that can't be all you've got. That can't be all of it. There's got to be more uh, two things. And so he goes on and tells them, number one, what I want you to do is loose the bands of wickedness. Now, uh, I want you to undo the heavy burdens. Now, understand we're in a different time. We don't have slaves and indentured servants and things. We, don't li we live in a little bit different times. And most of the time, there's a spiritual application to me and you when we look at the physical things that we see in the Old Testament. Uh, but there, there is some practical things we can see. There is, look at what he says in this next part where he says to undo the heavy burdens. You know what a burden that you lay upon other people by living uh, unholy and ungodly? You, you young people realize the burden you lay on your parents by, uh, by, by living the way that some of you are choosing to live? You know the burdens that we place on pastors and preachers by, 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 by being unfaithful? You know the burdens we, you know how oppressive and burdensome it is to somebody that you won't forgive them or something? Do you know what it's like to want to do everything you can to make it right with a brother or sister and they just will not ever forgive you? If you're on the receiving end of that, it is very oppressive. It is burdensome. Why won't they forgive me? I love them. I didn't do that. I didn't. And you want to try to make it right between them. And they just refuse to have any fellowship with you whatsoever. You know how oppressive that is? How burdensome that is to other people? I mean, there's all kinds of things. I know physically talking about the burdens here, but I'm talking spiritually. We've laid heavy burdens on people. Uh, we, we have, uh, uh, we've laid heavy burdens. There's been uh, for a long time, uh, most churches that I go in, Brother Jones, I see that the, uh, most of the burdens carried by two or three. Very few are involved. They, they're, they're involved enough to criticize everybody else and what they're doing, but they're, they're not going to lift a finger and help carry the load. Uh, now, I can't say that's a, a, an overwhelming uh, thing that we have here, and I thank God for that. Uh, but it certainly could be, and it certainly exists out there. Uh, we ought to be uh, uh, the ones that want to try to lift the burdens of my brothers and sisters. And that's what God's wanting to see out of it. He's wanting us to look upon the things of others and say, Brother Nathan's loaded down with a burden, and I want to do all I can to help lift the burden off of my brother uh, because he can't be uh, what we need him to be. We've we got to share one another's burdens. We've got to, uh, what does the Bible say? Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill uh, the law of Christ. 
see my brother hurting and, and uh, 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 go by and see him. Call him on the phone. Try to lift some, bring some light into their dark world when they're, when they're, when they're uh, down and depressed and negative. Uh, it's, it's on me and you to do those things. We're, we're supposed to uh, be the ones that God uses to lift the heavy burdens off of people. Uh, you say, well, I'm tired of doing that. I've got a heavy enough load. Well, you've got a bad attitude is what you got. I'm carrying enough. No, you're not. The Bible said, none of us have resisted unto blood striving again. So till we get to be like Jesus, none of us are doing too much. Let's keep on keeping on. Keep on, keep on lifting more burdens off. You say, well, they don't appreciate it. I don't care if they appreciate it or not. He didn't say lift the burdens off of people so long as they appreciate it, Right? Lift those heavy burdens off. That's what he's going to go on and give some more light. I want, I want to move on quickly because there's a verse I want to get to. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I, I want you to uh, let the oppressed go free. Uh, that's a, a day when I believe that there's a lot of this referring to some things they were breaking. Um, we know every seventh year another Jew uh, would have to be let go and their debt forgiven and not be sent away empty. They would even have to be sent away with uh, things and provisions and uh, anybody that they had married or children that they had had, they were to be set loose and they were not doing that. They weren't observing that seventh. Uh, but anyway, there's some spiritual applications there, but I want to move on. Uh, and that you break every yoke. Um, in verse number seven, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? I don't know about you, but we've really gotten to a place that we, uh, we are absolutely the opposite of what that verse just says. Not only are we not going to bring them to our house, we don't want them in this house. You don't have to amen that, but I've watched it with my own God-given eyeballs. I have watched people come into Baptist churches and be looked at like, oh my goodness, I can't believe they're here. Boy, they smell bad too. What do you think a homeless person ought to smell like? Come on now. That's how cold we are. It's not, we're not looking at it going, boy, how can we lift the burden off of this person? If they'd get born again, if they'd get saved, man, if they'd hear a preacher, if they'd receive you, they'd never be begging for bread again. God put them in a house. God give them clothes. God would feed and clothe them. If we can just and see to their soul, but we don't. No, we don't. It's like somebody coming in here in a pair of britches. I don't know which would be worse, to come in poor or to come in not dressed the way you think some people think you ought to. Just look down upon. And I'm against it. Now, don't, don't think I'm not. But, but we, what I'm saying is we need to self-reflect on ourselves and say, look at where I'm at now. If I've got eyes that look at people in this manner, I've got problems. If I look at a, a poor person or I look at a homeless person and I look at somebody like that and say, well, I'm not going to help them uh, or say things like, well, uh, and, and I understand that a man that won't work uh, and, and, and all of those things and I'm not for giving out God's money to people that are going to smoke it up uh, and do all that stuff. I don't want to do that. Uh, but I am saying there's a cause sometimes uh, that if you don't meet the physical need, you'll never meet the spiritual need. You can have a man starving to death. You can tell him about the gospel all you want to, but he's starving. He's hungry. You know what I see here? What's Brother Ben? Brother Ben, I see missions in this chapter. That's what that missionary in his heart, he's going out to them other countries. And these times you may have to feed some folks. These times you may have to, if you want to reach their soul, if you care enough about their soul, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you to help your brother. 
And I'm just going to go ahead and set you up just so you've, just so you've got the proper expectation. Most people are not going to appreciate what you do. So if you've got the expectation you're going to be loved by doing this, they may hate you more than they ever have. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to respond. But I know there's a God in heaven who's revealed now. He's going to respond if you do right. I don't know how people are going to do. They never cease to amaze me sometimes at how people respond to your best of intentions. But that's just the nature of people. We don't do it for the reaction, right? And so he tells him, I, I want you to, uh, number one, I, I want you to deal thy bread to the hungry. And that thou, it's a shame that the hungry have to be fed by the government. Th- that's what's going to destroy our nation, is uh, everybody turning to the government. When it was philanthropy, when it was, when it was done from the churches, from loving Christians were, were feeding the homeless and giving shelter to the homeless. It was the Christians that used to do that. And now the government's doing it. And certainly they're not godly. Uh, so uh, that's a shame, uh, but that's just the way things are in these days. But we can do our part. You know, you and I can do our part. We can come across families that have lost and been down or maybe lost a job or what have you and uh, have come to the place where they've lost things, they become poor. And uh, Jesus taught that through the New Testament as well. And see, it's a humbling thing. A poor person can't pay you back. Most of us do things, uh, I won't say most of us because I, I don't know that that's true, uh, but a lot of people, I'll say, do things because they're hoping to receive again. If I do a favor for this big guy here, he, he, he'll be able to help my business out one day or he'll be able to help me out one day. Or, you know, if I do something nice for this fella, he's got that thing I'd like. That's the way some of our minds operate sometimes. We shouldn't uh, uh, operate that way. Uh, the thing about helping the poor is that usually you're not going to get any notice and you're certainly not going to get paid back. They don't have anything to give you. I wonder, I wonder that sometimes in my own self, now this is just a question to myself because we live in different times, but I wonder if I'm doing enough to feed the hungry and clothe the, and, and be a help to the poor. I don't know. You know what most of my attitude is? They need to get a job. That's most of my attitudes. And I'm not saying that's a necessarily wrong attitude, the most great. I just wonder sometimes maybe that's a little too cold. I don't know. I don't, you've helped me pray about that. But certainly uh, we uh, have uh, brothers and sisters that we could help and do things for. And uh, so we want to keep a good warm heart towards those things. Uh, now, uh, when thou seest the naked that thou cover him. Now, we wouldn't do that, but we would certainly tell everybody when we see him naked. Now, don't go out here to the public pool over here in Rome County and start throwing towels over people that are over there naked because they're naked sure enough. I'll say it again for a lot of people don't like that. A man in a pair of shorts without a shirt on and a woman in a bikini at a public pool is flat out naked and in the wrong. But please don't go over there with a towel and start throwing clothes on. Somebody's liable to hit you in the mouth. Please don't do that. But what, it, what, it, what I'm trying to get us to see is our, our, um, the way we see things. Uh, you all will agree with this because it's so hard not to get this way. But you, uh, <laughs> the way my mind works sometimes. Don't go to Walmart if you, if you don't want. You're liable to see anything at Walmart. But you, if you go to Walmart or something, Brother Reed, and you see somebody just dressed, they might as well just come naked. They got little to nothing on. It irritates me. 
Because I think, number one, how did that daddy let that girl out of the house? You want to smack him, really. But anyhow, generally, you know, our, our feeling ought to be, how can we help that person? Because they obviously are not seen straight. Right? A person, a, a young lady that's willing to go out and expose herself is obviously messed up in her thinking. And instead of being attacked, she probably needs somebody to tell her about the love of God. How do we expect lost people to dress? And instead of attacking them and looking down our noses at them and j- jumping in our car, did you see that? I can't believe that. I wonder how many of us would take a Bible track up to them and tell them about Jesus. The only hope they got to put some clothes on somebody give them a Bible and tell, tell them about Jesus. Now, I tell you, that gets, we get cold. We get so indifferent sometimes to things. And sometimes we set ourselves up. Our own um, standards become what we judge the world by. And, and we have to be extremely careful about that. Because while it's right for you and me to do those things, it is right for us to dress modest. It is as right. I want to say it again. It is right. It is right. It is right. Uh, for a young lady and a young man, older women, older men, it's right for people to dress in modest apparel. It's right. But we can't get to the point we think we're better than everybody else and don't. Right? We're better off than they are, but we're certainly not better. And what we wanted, what we should, what our, our, our desire ought to be, if we want to see revival, we want to see things change, our desire ought to be, how can I make a difference? Ladies, uh, men, some of us men can't do it. I'm going to be honest with you. The way I've seen some people dress, I'm not going up talking to them. I can't look at all that. And it may not be a good idea, man, uh, married man, for you to go up to them. I know people that have thought they were going to go down to Mardi Gras and win people down there and they got affected by all that nakedness. You can't look at all that stuff. But you ladies could. My wife could. She could go up to that young lady and give her a try. Tell her about the Lord. We got we to gotta re, re, gear, re, uh, have a renewal of our mind and our thinking. Amen. Well, I wanted to get to this verse. We're not going to get to it. This is just... Well, let's just move on. Uh, let's see. Look at that last part of that verse. When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him. That reveals a lot about our hearts. I don't want to beat a dead horse. But when my attitude is that way, do you have a, do you have a heart of compassion that are living that way? Do you have a compassionate heart that says, boy, I wish I could help them? They wouldn't have to be that way. That's the way a lot of times when I'm doing my best, Brother Jones, that's what my first thought is not, you know, it, my first thought is, boy, what they could be for God if God, if they let the Lord just have control of their life. But when we're thinking wrong, we're thinking, they, we can't have that kind of attitude. It reveals so much about where we are with the Lord when we just look at other people and we just, we're, we're, so, we're fine with them to just drop off into hell because I'm certainly not going to be bothered going over there fooling with that trash. I've heard people make statements before. I wouldn't waste my time going over there preaching to those people. I've been told that. How could it be a waste of, could you imagine if somebody thought it was a waste of time? If that man thought it was a waste of time to come down there and tell me about Jesus? You wouldn't believe the words flying out of my mouth. I was just being a lost man down there working. 
And that man saw through all that stuff and just come down there and told me about a man that saved me. Could you imagine if he thought, boy, I'm not fooling with that trash. I'm glad somebody didn't look at my life and my soul and just look at me like trash. I'm glad somebody, when they saw me, saw a soul that could be changed, that God could clean up and, and put in the house of God. And man, look at, look at what he goes on to tell him. We got we to gotta move on. But boy, I'm glad somebody looked at me with some compassion and saw past all of my problems long enough to see my, that I was a person that had a soul and I needed help from God and, 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 and see past all my outward things. You young people, can I get you to understand something? When you world you've been protected for the most part and you've not heard and seen and I want to say something if you get around people that are doing dope and cussing and drinking and that's how you become you got a problem anyway if you have to separate from it because you're going to get involved with it you got some problems a Christian ought to be able to go around some lost people and tell them about Jesus without ending up cussing when he leaves <laughs> he's got any God about him you young people got to learn you're going to face a world that hates God. They hate Christians. They cuss. They drink. They fornicate. They commit adultery. They do all these things. And you're going to have to learn how to be a light in a dark world. You can't be high. You can't hide yourself in your bedroom and let the world burn down around you. That is not fulfilling New Testament Christianity. And uh, so... We may have to come back here tonight because we are running this down. But this is the best part of the chapter. Uh, so what you can't do is hide yourself from your own flesh. And uh, we can't do that, folks. We've got to, listen, we have, we're certainly all vulnerable to doing things and being around wickedness and being affected by that. I've got to be separated, but I can't be isolated I, I can't be involved with those things and I can't be around it consistently, but I can be around it long enough to tell somebody about Jesus, right? That's what God wants out of me and you. And we can't hide ourselves. Uh, and this is one problem Calvinists have. They can pray for God to save all the elect babies they want to, but until a man takes the Bible and preaches the gospel to him, I don't care what he thinks is going to happen. God's not going to magically swoop down and sprinkle magic salvation dust on them. It ain't going to happen. Somebody's going to have to preach the gospel. They're going to have to hear it and believe it and repent and believe and get saved. Right? <laughs> and so we certainly can't do that from our rooms, from our houses and our bedrooms. We've got to get back into communities and make a difference. Then, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. And I want to wrap up here. But I want to say, and I, again, I'm not saying this is what's going on here, but it certainly could happen here. And I have seen it in other churches. I know Brother Jones and Brother Ben, any of you men that have preached in other churches uh, see the same thing. Uh, but I do see an isolation. I do see a, 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 uh, uh, like a turtle drawn up in its shell. I see the people of that church will draw up into the four walls of that building and they'll, uh, uh, and, and they'll maybe to feel a little bit better, they'll write a check to missions, uh, but they're really they're, they're going to isolate from the rest of the world wait till Jesus comes and pull everybody in here can I give you a news flash lost people aren't commanded to come here the church is for saved people 
right? And so if we expect them to hear Bible preaching and to be affected by the gospel, we're going to have to go out into the highways, into the hedges, and compel them to come in. Because it's not in their heart to be here. It's in your heart because you love Jesus. It's in my heart because I love Jesus. It's not in their heart to be at church. Somebody's going to have to go out and get them and bring them in. Right? And we can't relinquish that duty to the pastor or to the missionary. It's the church's responsibility. That's how good churches are built. Most of you know exactly what I'm talking about because your family's here because you brought them all in. Right? You raised your family up in church and you reached out to cousins and nephews and people you worked with. And that's how churches, and I want to exhort you in our day, it's got to be the same way. We're going to have to reach out just like they did in old times. And we're going to have to reach in our communities and compel sinners to come into the house of God because they're not coming on their own. How many of you see hordes of people lined up out here lost wanting to hear the gospel? It ain't going to happen. Right? We have to compel them to come in. I hope it starts and stirs a little. It stirred me up a little. I'm t- I promise you I'm done. But uh, it stirred me up a little bit. Sometimes we, and I think this is what the devil wants us distracted on so many other things. And he wants us to lose the vision and the sight of going out and trying to win others to the Lord. Now, I don't like that uh, win or share your faith. I'm not using that certain language. Uh, it's not a game that I'm winning or losing. Uh, but he wants us to go out and proclaim and, and, and reach others with the gospel. And if he can get us distracted with um, sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so or your own problems or worries and fears and doubts. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're going to have to at some point, church, we're going to have to get over this virus thing. And we're going to have to still be willing to go out there and tell people about Jesus. Right? I mean, I want to be as safe as anybody, believe you me. But at the right time, I want to get back out there in this community and pass out gospel tracts and win people to Jesus. I use that word win again. I didn't mean to use that word. I don't like win, but it's not my game to win. But then here's what he says. Now, if you'll just, I'm done. If you'll read, go on and read, and uh, we'll do online tonight, but I'll come back in these verses. And the verse that really stuck out in my mind, he goes on to tell him, your light's going to break forth as the morning. Your health will spring forth speedily. Righteousness shall go before thee. Man, I mean, just some wonderful, if you draw out thy soul to the hungry. Boy, that was something that I was looking at this morning. But look at verse number 12. This is where I may be tonight. And they that shall be of thee shall build up the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called, thou, not the, the ones of thee, thou shalt be called the repair of the breach. I want to tell you something, church. If there's ever been a breach in the Christian church, it's in our day in which we live. There's a breach. It's that same word that he said that he was looking for a man to make up the hedge and stand in the gap. It's the same word for breach. There's a breach. And the only hope that we have, mom and dad, I'm done. The only hope we've got for our families to keep on. You know what breaks my heart? But I hate to see young people that are raised, and you know them and I know them, that have been raised right, been raised about as good as you could raise a young person. And they just go for the world. The next thing you know, they're not even in church. It just breaks my heart. See that? 
But if they're going to carry on and they're going to stand for the things that we, the only hope we got is for me and you. They've got to see the reality of the love of God inside of me and you. And God will let that generation, and what God says, we're going to repair the breach. Now, now, understand, I don't want to take that verse out of context of who and what it's saying. I'm using it because what God, in the same thing in 2020, if there's a breach somewhere in the church of the living God, the only hope we've got to plug it is to live right and to love other people. All the things that it just showed in those verses. And so we got to get back to it. It ain't, it ain't cruise control time, is it? We got to get back with it. Get back on fire for God and, and start worrying about souls again. I don't. I know many of you, I wish we had testimony this morning. Stand to your feet. I'm done. I want you to stretch a minute. But if you, uh, I wish we had testimonies of different ones of you could testify how, you know, a, a church uh, came to you. I'm thinking of one man right now who time and time again, Brother Jones, you could probably spend all day telling us that different people have just, you, they didn't listen the first time, but you just kept going and kept, and other men went with you. Men of this church, probably men in here right now. I know of one I'm thinking of right now that told me the other day, you and a couple other men come visit him, and he didn't come, you come back, and he come, and then you come back again, and he finally got saved. That's what it's going to take out of me and you, my generation. We are going to have to be willing to love people enough to stay after them and try to get them in church and get them right with the Lord. And I want to be that person. Do you? I, do. I, I want to be. I want to have a burden for others, and I don't want to be so consumed with myself. So let's just be praying about that. If you'll uh, pray with me, that the Lord will help us. Lord, we love you. Uh, thank you for being so merciful. Most of us fail you every single day in ways we don't even care to admit. But you stay faithful. You stay merciful. And I want to thank you publicly, Lord, for how you've helped this church and helped us individually. Thank you for saving sinners, Lord, like me. Lord, I pray if there's any here this morning that they might hear from heaven and get saved, that you deal with them, great conviction and power. But Lord, for that Christian, help all of us to get back on fire again. We've gotten a little cold, Lord, and we need some help. We need some help from God. So please help us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll have a verse. If you need to come, you come.